Hello, friends. It's September 29th, and we are on day 272 of our reading journey through the vast terrain of the 66 books of sacred scripture. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, and I am your host, David McAdam, ready to serve as your tour guide, pointing out and underscoring details that you don't want to miss as we ascend the heights of the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament today and start Paul's letter to the Philippians in the New Testament. Father, we pray that you will speak to us afresh as we come before your holy word. Thank you for giving us the big picture in the scriptures reminding us of who you are and the rescue that you have provided for penitent believers who put their trust in your unfailing word. We are stepping out today with God's self-revelation made known as he spoke to the prophet Isaiah. We'll pick up our journey at the spot where we camped yesterday in Isaiah chapter 57, starting with verse 15, and I will be reading from the English Standard Version. Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend for ever, nor will I always be angry. For the spirit would grow faint before me, and the breath of life that I made." Because of the iniquity of his unjust gain, I was angry. I struck him, I hid my face, and was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace, to the far and to the near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Chapter 58 True and False Fasting Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure, and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight, and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and bring the homeless poor into your house? when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. 
If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness, and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually, and satisfy your desire in scorched places, and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water, whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Chapter 59 Evil and Oppression Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue mutters wickedness. No one enters suit justly, no one goes to law honestly. They rely on empty pleas, they speak lies, they conceive mischief and give birth to iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs, they weave the spider's web. He who eats their eggs dies, and from one that is crushed a viper is hatched. Their webs will not serve as clothing, men will not cover themselves with what they make. Their works are works of iniquity, and deeds of violence are in their hands. Their feet run to evil and they are swift to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Desolation and destruction are in their highways. The way of peace they do not know, and there is no justice in their paths. They have made their roads crooked. No one who treads on them knows peace. Therefore justice is far from us, and righteousness does not overtake us. We hope for light, and behold, darkness and for brightness, but we walk in gloom. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope like those who have no eyes. We stumble at noon as in the twilight. Among those in full vigor, we are like dead men. We all growl like bears. We moan and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you and our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities, transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning back from following our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart lying words. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away, for truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, 
and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth, shall not depart out of your mouth, or out of the mouth of your offspring, or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the prophet Isaiah. So let's take a few moments now to recap and reflect upon what we have just read. In contrast to God's stern rebuke of Israel's stubborn idolatries in Isaiah chapter 57 verses 3 through 13, encouragement is offered to a faithful remnant in verse 14. And it will be said, Build up, build up, prepare the way, remove every obstacle out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place, and also with the contrite and lowly of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly, and to revive the heart of the contrite. Isaiah chapter 57, verses 14 and 15. God chastised them for their pride and greed, but now the time had come for God to heal them. I have seen his ways, but I will heal him. I will lead him and restore comfort to him and to his mourners, creating the praise of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Isaiah 57, verses 18 and 19. God's pathway to peace is through righteous judgment. The Prince of Peace, the suffering servant, would make peace. Isaiah predicted this earlier in chapter 32. And the work of righteousness will be peace, and the service of righteousness, quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah 32, verse 17. True peace can come no other way than through the work of God's righteousness. He makes peace through the blood of His cross, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. The experience of the righteous peace of God can only be experienced by the impartation of the Holy Spirit on the ground of Christ's righteous, finished work of redemption. For the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. By His stripes we are healed of the rebellious nature of sin's wickedness. In contrast to those who have peace with God, having been justified by faith, there is no peace for the wicked, that is, the unrepentant, in Isaiah 57, verse 21. In chapters 58 and 59, God commands the prophet Isaiah to cry aloud and call the nation to recognize its long history of sin and backsliding and repent. One of their greatest sins was their reliance upon their religious formalism. They assumed they were pleasing God by gladly observing religious ceremonies and conforming outwardly to their interpretation of the law. 
In this, they were not unlike the Pharisees of Jesus' day, who gave attention to tithing mint and dill and cumin, but neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, the Lord saw through their vain show of piety. He saw that they fasted for their own pleasure rather than to seek what would be pleasing to God. The law required that they fasted on only one day of the year, on the Feast of Yom Kippur, the great day of atonement. This was to be a time of reflection and self-judgment. They were to recognize their sins as the drama of the priest going into the holiest of all with the blood of a sacrificed animal and a scapegoat was led into the wilderness of forgetfulness. However, people could fast voluntarily on a personal basis. It seemed, however, that they were upset if their piety wasn't being noticed. Jesus commented on this kind of fasting for show in Matthew chapter 6, verses 16-18. through 18. Isaiah describes God's chosen fast. It is not like the fast they were choosing. Rather than fasting to feel good about themselves, imagining that they were holier than others, they should seek the Lord with a humble and contrite spirit. The Lord would prefer to see them consider how they could reflect His true image to others. For example, He is a God who is compassionate to the needy. They should share their bread, open their homes to the homeless, and clothe the poor. God's chosen fast would have us be as forgiving as He is forgiving as merciful as He is merciful, as generous as He is generous, to loosen the bands of wickedness and let the oppressed go free. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 7. It is when they are in a right relationship with God that He will answer their prayers. Their sins had put a barrier between themselves and God. Notice Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. The psalmist had written earlier, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Psalm 66, verse 18. They should repent of their pride, legalism, finger-pointing, and evil-speaking, and put their religious showmanship aside. In their taking time to fast, they should consider how to be true to God, and thereby sensitive and available to meet the needs of others. The Lord also critiques their compromising the purpose of the Sabbath. But if they repent and take delight in the Lord, He promises them a glorious restoration. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones, and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Isaiah 58, verses 10 through 12. There's an application to our own lives also, for we truly flourish when we walk in the Spirit, pursuing what is pleasing to God. The Lord wants us not only to see what is pleasing to Him, but to savor what is pleasing to Him. Isaiah 59 reminds us that the problem of unanswered prayer is not on His end. His arm is not too short that it cannot save, nor His ear so dull that it cannot hear. They had turned away from Him. Instead of maintaining a disposition of faith, they were living under the domination of sin and the father of lies. John chapter 8, verse 44. 
Isaiah gives us word pictures of the sin nature and the evil that permeates their nation. In Isaiah 59, verses 6 through 8, Isaiah compared their evil rulers to pregnant women who conceived mischief and gave birth to iniquity. Their output is devilish. They are like snakes hatching eggs, compounding wickedness, and unreliable, like spiders whose beautiful webs prove to be useless and are so easily destroyed. In verses 4 and 6, the Apostle Paul will quote this in Romans chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. Isaiah 59, verse 7. The nation comes under conviction of sin in verses 11 through 12. All of us growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. The human predicament is described. Truth has fallen in the streets and no longer stands. True justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. There is none righteous among those born of Adam's seed. And he saw that there was no man, and was astonished that there was no one to intercede. Isaiah 59, verse 16a. Then enter the Son of God. In Isaiah 59, 16b. Then his own arm brought salvation to him, and his righteousness upheld him. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 5 reads, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Isaiah 59, verse 17 sounds like what we read yesterday in the New Testament in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. He put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on His head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. In Isaiah 59, verse 20, a Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, declares the Lord. All hope for the redemption of Jew and Gentile is in this man only. He will redeem and restore. That restoration is pictured in the gift of the Spirit being upon his offspring. In Isaiah 59, verse 21. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you, and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth, or out of the mouth of your offspring, or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Next in our Bible reading tour, we move on to new territory, starting Paul's letter to the Philippians in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, 
for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from good will. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which shall I choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And this concludes today's portion from the New Testament from Paul's letter to the Philippians. The book of Philippians is often referred to as the joy book. The words for joy and gladness are found 19 times in the four short chapters. Paul lists these sources of joy in the letter. Prayer, Christ preached, faith, suffering, news of loved ones, hospitality, receiving and giving. Paul is writing this letter during his first imprisonment in Rome in 62 AD while he is under house arrest in Acts chapter 28 verses 30 and 31. He declares that he is not a prisoner of Rome, he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He is not set for trial, but for the defense of the gospel. The word of God is not bound. We will learn that many of the Roman guards are coming to faith because of Paul's faithful ministry while in house imprisonment. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 22. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes about the fellowship of the gospel in verses 3 through 11, the furtherance of the gospel in verses 12 through 26, and the faith of the gospel in verses 27 through 30. Paul starts his letter with a prayer of thanksgiving for the partnership the Philippians have had in his ministry. He appreciates the generous support that they have provided over the years since he first came to them and planted the church there. He takes joy in every thought of them, 
and he rejoices whenever he learns that Christ is being preached and the gospel is being advanced. Do you take joy in the fellowship of believers and the furtherance of the gospel day by day around the world? Paul tells them not to feel sorry for him now that he is imprisoned. He sees how God is working in his trial. The whole Praetorian Guard has heard the gospel, and believers are becoming much bolder because of Paul's compelling witness. Paul is grateful that no matter what the circumstances may be, we can speak of Christ by our lips and by our life. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Philippians chapter 1, verses 19-21 through 21. As Paul contemplated the possibility of his dying and going to be with the Lord, or remaining alive on the earth, he said that he would prefer to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 23. But because he loves the Lord and his bride, the church, he is resolved to stay and continue for their progress and joy in the faith. Do you realize that you may be stationed where you are for the progress and joy of others in the faith? This is the heartbeat of evangelism and discipleship in the church. He wants to be sure that all the believers in Philippi and those reading the letter today are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and are ready to suffer for him. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 71, verses 1 through 24. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth, you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. 
So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. And my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. And this concludes our reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 71. This psalm has an anonymous author who is in trouble. He has had a long history in which he has experienced the Lord's faithfulness, but he is pressed on every side and needs the Lord's protection. This psalm serves as an example of how we can pray when we are in tough circumstances. The Lord is his hope and his trust in verse 5. His faith has grown as he has leaned on the Lord for many years. He has been taught of the Lord from his youth and has proclaimed his deeds even to middle age. As he looks to the future, he asks that the Lord not cast him off as he gets older, in verse 9. Without him, he can do nothing. He wants his life to be a testimony. He wants his life to finish well to the praise of God's glory. He does not take the Lord's favor for granted. He wants continual revival in his life. You who have shown me many troubles and distresses will revive me again and will bring me up again from the depths of the earth. May you increase my greatness and turn to comfort me. Psalm 71, verses 20 through 21. He prays that the Lord will frustrate the enemy's schemes against him. He is determined never to stop praising the Lord. In verses 22 through 24. My tongue also will utter your righteousness all day long, for they are ashamed, for they are humiliated who seek my hurt. In verse 24. Now let's go to our final stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Proverbs, chapter 24, verses 9 through 10. The devising of folly is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to mankind. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. The writer of Proverbs continues on the theme of the sin nature with its wicked scheming, scoffing, and slothfulness. Giving in to these sinful inclinations results in folly, being regarded by others as an abomination, and being inadequately prepared for the testing circumstances and judgment to come. Let's pray. O Father, when there was no man to save us, none to intercede, when your justice deservedly turned away from us, and righteousness stood far off, when we utterly failed to discharge our responsibility as those you made in your image to tell the truth about you, causing truth to fall in the streets. You sent your Son to be the perfect mediator. He satisfies your demands of justice so you can righteously pardon our sins and give us the promised Holy Spirit. Your arm has brought our salvation, and your righteousness now upholds us. Deliver us from any plot of the enemy to bring shame to your name. May our lips and our life give praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
What a blessing it has been to be reading from Isaiah and the book of Philippians today, as well as being refreshed from the book of Psalms and instructed by the book of Proverbs. God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow, continuing our Bible reading journey. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can subscribe at our website for a free email to receive daily in your inbox. These resources are available at newlife.org, our website. So until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, which he does through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom the light of his glory is made known to us. May the Lord lift up his countenance now upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Shalom.